Thank you, Sarah. Beautifully read. My name is Ed. Uh, nice to be with you. 6 p.m. What a great vibe you guys have got going on here. I should tell the good people of 7 p.m. how fun it is up here. I'm normally down there, but uh, it's great to be with you this, uh, this evening, and I'm looking forward to hearing how God's been at work in your lives and your world over the last year. But we're going to think through today about this passage that Sarah just read so wonderfully to us. We're thinking today about sheep and shepherds, about followers and the people that they follow. I'm just going to start with just an assertion. I'm going to throw it out there. I'm not going to defend it. We are all followers. Perhaps your North Shore sensibilities want to react against that. And if that's the case, grab your iPhone or your Samsung out and send me a message on WhatsApp or Instagram or Facebook, and uh, we can talk about it later. But you see, we're all followers. We've all got the same things. We all do the same things. We're looking for people to follow. And who is it that we end up following? Well, in a world that idolizes success and and those who are victorious, we, we often find ourselves following to, you know, the leaders, the, the winners in our world. Uh, a friend of mine works at the Commonwealth Bank, and he found himself in the lift, a COVID lift, with his CEO. So only two people in the lift, and he reasoned to himself, well, I don't have time to make a good impression. And the only other option to me is to make a bad impression. So the two of them just sat there in silence for the whole lift ride. And here he was with this person he looks up to, he couldn't even say hi. Often we, we find ourselves following our friends. A number of us here in this building probably are still at that age where people tell us, be careful of your friends and where they might lead you. Some of us are beyond that, but we're, we're not beyond having friends who can lead us in the wrong direction. And one of the occupational hazards of living in Mossman, where I live, is that people like to meet in cafes and talk loudly about their social lives. And sometimes you're just listening, like, is that really what matters to you at this ripe age of life? Sometimes we, we follow our, our marketers. Remember that their job, their job is to make you dissatisfied, to convince you to spend money you don't have, to buy things you don't need, to satisfy desires that they cannot satisfy. Or social media. So many of us are influenced by our social media, aren't we? And they've picked up that language of followers and following, of likes and valuing our self-worth on how many people like us. Or maybe we just follow political leaders, social ideologies, and you know, no matter who we're following, no one in all of human history has been able to solve that great human predicament of death. And into this world of loud voices that just scream out to us and say, follow me, come after me, I'll, I'll help you, I'll take you to where you need to go, into all these different voices and a myriad of suboptimal leaders, Jesus steps into our world and he says these words on the screen. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. A shepherd who knows you personally, who loves you deeply, who wants to lead you perfectly, who wants to satisfy you completely, who, who will love you to death. A shepherd who will hold you for eternity. We want to flesh those out from our passage in John chapter 10 tonight. But before we get to this idea of good shepherds, we need to start by just thinking briefly about bad sheep. Well, look, the Bible has lots of lovely, affirming things to say about us as people who follow God. We, we are children of the living God, heirs of his eternal kingdom. But the Bible also says that we are sheep. It's one step up from grass, which we are also, but, but we are sheep. And now sheep, they're good for many things. They're, they're good for providing wool to keep us warm. Uh, they're good for providing lamb chops. They're also the easiest animal to draw. Lots of little simple things about sheep. But when it comes to the animal kingdom, sheep, are right down the bottom. They are dumb, defenseless, and they're prone to wander. 
In a Bible verse made famous by Colin Buchanan, a children's entertainer, the Bible says that we, all like sheep, have gone astray. Very good. Each of us has turned to his own way. Ba, ba, do, ba, ba. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Sing, ba, ba, do, ba, ba, Isaiah 53, 6. Yeah, there you go. We have all wandered. Every single one of us is prone to wander, and wander from God we have. My, how we've wandered. We've wandered to our own little pasture, our own desires, our own life, where we, we're just free from God and doing our own thing, wandered down ravines into dangerous gullies, wandered into wolf's lairs. We have wandered everywhere. And God, God is a shepherd to us. Remember Psalm 23, that, that famous psalm written by the shepherd king, David, said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So God is a loving shepherd and he wants to shepherd us. And Jesus steps into the world and says, I am that good shepherd. I am that good shepherd. And he steps into this world where leaders have done such a bad job shepherding. Last week you met that man born blind, that little sheep born blind. And what have the shepherds of Israel done to that man? Accused him, talked down on him, kicked him out of the synagogue. And so the good shepherd came along and loved and nurtured that sheep. And he's continuing that conversation with the Pharisees this day. So I wanted to give you those five reasons why Jesus is so, so good as a good shepherd and why he's so, so worth following. Well, Jesus, number one, is the good shepherd because he knows us personally. you notice he's continuing talking to the Pharisees in verse 1. And he takes his audience that day to the village sheep pen. Now, this would be a very well-known uh, sort of place for uh, his audience in, in that day. The, the village sheep pen would be a place with high walls, uh, with mixed sheep, so sheep from different shepherds uh, would be there at the end of a day where the farmer had been out grazing, brings them back, entrusts them to a gatekeeper uh, who watches over the gate and protects all the different sheep. But what happens the next morning? How do you get your sheep out of all these mixed sheep? I don't know if you've ever tried getting one sheep out of a whole lot of sheep, but it is an almost impossible task. Well, Jesus says, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate and the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. Jesus says he calls us and we hear his voice and we come. Now, if you don't believe that sheep can listen to a shepherd's voice, your homework tonight is to go on YouTube. And I didn't believe this either, but on YouTube... Uh, you'll find, just type in, do sheep listen to a shepherd's voice? And this lovely Norway video will come up of a, of a bunch of tourists trying to call out to a shepherd's sheep. And he's told them the call, and they're all there going, doing that sort of stuff. And then the shepherd comes forward and just does the same thing. And the sheep pop their eyes up and then start running towards him. It's a lovely image. It's exactly what Jesus says. He says, when I speak, my sheep hear my voice and they come to me. And I'm presuming that's why a lot of us are here tonight, because you have heard Jesus' voice, and you're coming to him to be fed by him. Well, not only that, but he, he knows our voice, but uh, we know his voice, but also he knows us by name. Verse, four, uh, verse 3 again. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So come back with me to my friend in the office at uh, Commonwealth Bank, in the lift, sorry. There he is with his CEO, his great leader, and the CEO, not only does he not know his name, he doesn't know what he does, and there's nothing to talk about when it's just the two of them in a lift. Now contrast that with the God of the universe who knows your name 
knows you personally. Not only does he know you, but Sarah picked it up before. He wants to know you deeply, personally, even intimately. Uh, Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The Bible uses that same language in verse 14 to speak about how Adam knew his wife Eve. It is a deep, deep knowledge. Not sexual. God has something better for us than that. It's the depth of relationship that we're made for and that we'll spend all of eternity enjoying. So now think to yourself of two people who know one another really well. Think of two people who are just totally inseparable. You could never imagine them apart. You can't go past God the Son and God the Father. They're pretty much as tight as they get. Well, look at this, verse 14 again. I know my sheep, says Jesus, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Jesus wants to know you in such a deep way as it's like the way he has enjoyed perfect relationship with his Father for all eternity. That is how much the Good Shepherd wants to know you and how much he wants a relationship with you. So he's good because he knows us personally. He's also good. I'm going to combine the next two together. He's good. Where's my next point? He's good because he leads us perfectly and satisfies us completely. So if you remember in the reading, the image of the uh, the village sheep pen wasn't going down so well. So Jesus transitions to the the metaphor of the uh, countryside sheep pen. So sort of lower stone walls, bigger field, And as a gate, there would just be an opening in the stone walls. And in order to keep the sheep inside that uh, countryside sheep pen, the the shepherd would just lie down over the gate and sleep over the gate. That's why Jesus says, verse 7, he says, I am the gate for the sheep. It's like, I don't know if you've had this happen to you, you're trying to walk through a door and a little kid stands in the doorway and says, no getting through without the secret password. That's what Jesus is doing there. He's saying, no one comes in, no one goes out unless they come through me. So verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Now, if you've got a footnote there in your Bible, you come down to the bottom and it says, or will be kept safe. It can mean the same thing, that word. Which I think makes more sense of what Jesus is going to go on to say because he goes on to say, the sheep will come in and go out, which you don't do with salvation. You don't come in and go out. No, once you're saved... You are saved forever. But you do come in and go out to find pasture. You do come in and go through the seasons of your life to to find fulfillment and satisfaction and nourishment. And that's what Jesus promises us in those beautiful words Nick picked up at the start. End of verse 10, Jesus said this, I have come that my sheep may have life and have it to the full. And I hope you know that about Jesus, that when he promises you life, when he promises to lead you to life, it's not just life everlasting in the age to come. No, he, he wants to lead you to life to the full in this present age. Full and joyful life. Now, the great thing about Jesus leading us is that he sets an example before us, goes before us. When you and I think of uh, modern sheep farming, we, we sort of think of maybe shepherds who go behind their sheep, who, you know, drive their sheep forward with yapping sheepdogs or whips or, or motorbikes and loud noises. But Jesus is a shepherd who walks out in front. Verse 4, he said, When he has brought out all his own sheep, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So Jesus has walked before you and showed you what the full good life looks like. It's a life of giving yourself away. It's a life of loving others, of serving others, 
and actually finding everything that life is really all about. So look to Jesus, and he will lead you to life to the full. Well, fourthly, Jesus is a good shepherd because he loves us to death. Jesus contrasts in verses 11 to 18 his commitment to his sheep with that of the Pharisees. And he says, look, you Pharisee guys, you're just like the hired workers. You know, you're in it for yourself. You're just here for the paycheck at the end of the day. When the sheep are in trouble, you're going to scoot because you're just looking after number one. Not like me. No, I am here. I'm going to lay down my life for these sheep. And then he gives us three wonderful insights into his death that he knew he would die in our place. So, so here's three things that he points out to us. First, that it was vicarious. That's a, a sort of theological word for substitute or in one's place. So he says in verse 15, I lay down my life for, for my sheep. Jesus died a death you and I deserved. We were in great danger as sheep, in danger of the wrath and judgment of God. And Jesus, as the loving shepherd, threw himself in front of that danger as he died on the cross. It was for us. Well, next it was voluntary. Verse 18, I love this truth. No one takes my life from me, says Jesus, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus was not a victim. Jesus was not, uh, was not going through this because he had no other options. No, he let it happen to himself, and he did it for you and for me. And lastly, it was victorious. There's a funny irony, isn't it, in that it's nice as a sheep to know that a shepherd loves you and would die for you, but a, a dead shepherd is actually no good to a defenseless animal. An animal that, that is defenseless and that doesn't know where they're going needs a shepherd to lead them, and, and Jesus can do that because he knew he would rise from the dead. Verse 18 again, I have authority to lay down my life and authority to take it up again. So because... Jesus is victorious. That's why, fifth and finally, as the good shepherd, Jesus is a good shepherd because he holds us eternally. Take a look at verse 28. I give my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one, no one can snatch them out of my hand. On our days off, uh, on Fridays, we often go down to Balmoral, and my daughter Matilda loves to walk around the, uh, there's a, a little fence around the boathouse and uh, she likes to walk just on sort of a fence a bit like this and uh, when she gets a bit scared or it's a bit slippery she holds on tight to my hand but I have very little confidence in the tightness of her grip so my hand is here just sort of holding the back of her t-shirt in case anything happens. But better than being held by just an earthly father, as you walk through the ups and downs and challenges of this life, you are held by the Son of God. But more than that, You are held by the Father as well. Verse 29, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of his hand. So listen to this uh, quote from a British Bible teacher, A.W. Pink. He said, The hand of Christ is beneath us, and the hand of the Father is above us. Thus we are secured in the clasped hands of omnipotence. And I love that image. You couldn't be safer than having your life in the hands of the living God. God has got it. God has got you. And so as a sheep, you can know that you are safe in God's hands. There could be no one better to follow 
than a good shepherd who knows you personally, who leads you perfectly, who satisfies you completely, who has loved you to death and will hold you fast for all eternity. Let me just tell you about a few, to finish up, a few people that I meet with to read the Bible and why Jesus is so worth following to them. Naomi. Naomi is our Director of Mercy Ministries at church. She works amongst some of the most forgotten people in our community, in the aged care homes and also in our Housing Commission homes down in, in Greenway. Naomi can say to these people who feel forgotten and neglected by most of our world that you are remembered by God, known by Him, known by name to the God of the universe. What a precious thing to hold out to them. I think of Ben. Ben came and worked as a ministry intern with us here at church. Uh, the last four years of following Jesus has led Ben to uh, Oman, Mongolia, Jordan, China, Indonesia, Thailand, Neutral Bay, and, uh, and on Wednesday, back up to Queensland where his family lives. It's been a thrill of a ride. Ben and Aisha, his wife, have made a life out of giving themselves away to others. And surprise, surprise, they're the most joyful people that many of us know. I think of my friend John. John and I grew up on the North Shore. Everything was going pretty well for John, except that his social drinking habit turned into full-blown alcoholism. And when his fiancée postponed the wedding until he got his drinking under control, he found in Jesus the satisfaction that he couldn't find at the bottom of any of those bottles. He found in Jesus the power to say no to this terrible vice that was destroying his life. I think about my wife, Bridget. Uh, Bridget is a very clever fashion designer. Uh, I found out this week that her business is the best-performing Australian fashion brand at this, in this present climate, which is so wonderful. But, you know, with all the success that she has enjoyed, nothing is more meaningful, nothing has grabbed her heart like the fact that the God of the universe laid down his life for her. It is the foundational pillar of everything she is and everything she does. And then lastly, I, I just think of my friend Don. Don's 88, and uh, we go to the gym together, actually, so it's a bit of inspiration for those people who are feeling like they can't get to the gym anymore. But Don uh, and I read the Bible together, and Don is actually um, feeling a little bit boastful at the moment about his impending death. He often talks about how he's kind of looking forward to dying, not the process of dying, but that he knows where he's going. And in this world of people who, who are so fearful of death, John says, I know that my life is safe in the hands of my God. So friends, there is no one better, no one who loves you more, who is more perfect as a leader that you can follow than the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Please open up your eyes to see him. Open up your ears to hear his voice. Let your life walk behind his life. Stay close to the good shepherd. He will lead you to life, life to the full now, and life everlasting in the age to come. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'll invite the band to come up as I do that. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we are sorry that we, like sheep, have gone astray from you and wandered our own way. We thank you so much that you love us and didn't leave us lost, but came and found us by sending Jesus, the Good Shepherd, to know us personally, to lead us perfectly, to satisfy us completely, to love us to death, and to hold us fast into eternity. Lord God, 
Help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Help us to follow close behind the Good Shepherd that we may walk into life, life now and life in the age to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.